0: If you have your Bibles this morning, we're, whoa, don't knock that over, uh, we're going to invite you to First Thessalonians um, chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Feel free to go back there and grab one. If you need to borrow one, borrow one. If you need to uh, take one with you because you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand, please feel free to do that. It's a great translation. It's a translation that I'll be working from this morning. And um, if you have one of those Bibles in particular, we're on page 986, page 986. I want to acknowledge this, uh, that some of you are in the room today, uh, well, we're all in the room today, and you you may be in the room today for various reasons. Uh, Some of you are Christians, you're followers of Jesus, your whole whole life is committed to him. Um, As you think about today and as you think about what we're going to talk about here in just a moment, Uh, the truth, uh, the foundational truth that Jesus has died and he has come back from the dead. uh, Man, that should well up within you with a heart of celebration and rejoicing and uh, you know, that whole shot in the arm thing, but it's also something so real, something so important to us, something so foundational um, to us, those of us who call ourselves Christians. We'll pick that up here in just a second. Uh, some of you come, um, and again, I want to just recognize you, that, that you're curious. You're like, uh, my life seems to be um, running less than optimum right now, and so maybe just maybe there's a spiritual component that I need to recognize and deal with, Uh, and so Easter seems like a good place. This church is close. Maybe they'll say something worthwhile. If you have come and you're curious today, let me say we're really glad that you're here. If you end up with questions after this service is done, you won't be the only one. Let me say that first. Secondly, uh, you know where our website is. You know where we are, and you can find our phone number. You can pick up the phone and call us. We would love to have conversations with you about the questions that you may have. Uh, some of you have come here because it's a cultural thing, Easter, this is what we do, we go to church, Christmas, get dressed up, uh, that kind of thing, perfectly fine. Again, we're glad that you're here. Uh, and, and some of you have come because, you know, somebody twisted your ear and drug you here, and you're like, hey, what am I, a United Airlines passenger or what? What's the... Too soon? I'll be here all week, people, thank you. Don't forget to tip your service. Um, If you're here against your volition, let's just say it that way, I'm still glad that you're here and you can walk out of here with just as many questions and doubt as you did before. What I'm praying though for all of us here, for all of us is that uh, whatever transpires in your life today, deep at the soul level of your life, whatever transpires, uh, when you walk out of here, you would be different than when you came in. You would be a step closer to understanding who God is and what he's done for you. Uh, you would be a, a step deeper into a relationship with him. Uh, where, whatever your stage is, that you would be um, closer. Okay, You would be different even uh, than when you walked in here. So I wanted to recognize that and acknowledge that. And uh, as I said, give you the freedom to ask questions, whatever. Uh, as I said earlier um, about it being a guest here. If you want to tear off uh, the little portion there or fill out something else and drop it in the offering plate and just say, hey, here's a question. I got a question. Please send me an email. Do that. We would love to. Uh, we'd love to do that. So here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, we're going to read this text. And the thing that we're going to look at today, the claims that the Bible makes today is fundamental uh, to who we are as Christians. And we'll pick that theme up here in just a second. Verse 9, we're catching it mid-thought here, so forgive the where it kind of seems choppy here at the beginning. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. Here's the part where we want to get to. How you turn to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's the passage today, and i I just want to make two things, uh, hopefully, abundantly clear. And again, as a Christian, you'll hear this and go, yes, yes, yes. And if you um, are, are sitting here with questions, or uh, again, maybe because you got drug here, still, it's these are two pretty powerful claims, and I hope we can reckon with them. Uh, the, when it comes to understanding who Jesus is, uh, there's all sorts of questions, all sorts of opinions out there. CNN is even running a, a, a series right now called Finding Jesus, uh, Frankly, I didn't know he was lost. I thought I knew where he was all along. Like, It's fine. I mean, I didn't know he was the one who was lost in the equation. But that's a whole different day, a whole different deal. Uh, but there's all sorts of questions out there for this. And so here's the thing. Uh, these two claims are fundamental. They are right at the center of who we are as a church. What we believe and what we believe the Bible says. And the first one is that Jesus is a rescuer. He's a rescuer. At the end of verse 10, we'll actually kind of uh, talk about the end of it and then we'll back up a little bit. But at the end of verse 10, it says, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see that? Delivers. That's rescuing, right? He's going to reach down and pull us up. We're the ones sinking and he's going to put his hand down where we are and and jerk us up. We're the ones falling and he's going to reach down and grab a hold of us and not let go. He is a rescuer. And what does he rescue us from? Well, not from our circumstances. Uh, Because you're going to walk out of here, some of your circumstances may be the exact same. Not from the consequences of your choices. You're going to walk out of here facing some of the same consequences that you made because of the choices. Uh, Some some of the same consequences that come because of the choices that you made. What does he rescue us from? Here's what it says. He rescues us, delivers us from the wrath to come. He's rescuing us from wrath. That's the deal. Pause. People say, oh, listen, I came to Easter service to feel good. Here you are rolling out wrath. That seems like a bad play for you PR wise. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, We need to understand and we need to talk about and understand the wrath of God because it is is, uh, a parallel to his love. People say, well, I love uh, to talk about the God who is loving. God is love, right? That's true. And because he's loving, there is a wrath component. And let me just illustrate it this way. If somebody were to break into my house tonight, Um, and I were to uh, hear them, and they came in with evil intent and wicked intent to do harm to both property and people, uh, and I sat there in my bed or on my easy chair or whatever and be like, "Eh, I don't want to be wrathful. I'm just here about love. What would you think? What kind of person are you? Because there ought to be something that stirs up within us, that boils up within us. There ought to be a response to that to protect these people. Listen, that I love. What would be unloving in that moment is to be indifferent to this threat. See, when we talk about God is love, um, God is love and and God is a God of wrath who who brings wrath against evil and wickedness, those aren't antithetical to one another. This is actually, those two things go fine together. It's God is loving, God is indifferent. That's what doesn't work. And he's not going to be indifferent toward you or toward the broken mess that is our world. And so he, Jesus, he delivers us from the wrath to come. There is wrath coming because the world is a messed up place. It's wicked, and it's evil, and there's all sorts of crazy stuff happening. Anybody with me on that? Anybody long for somebody to do something that makes it right? That is what we're talking about when we talk about wrath. Why is wrath coming? That's the next question. All right, well, let me just pause here. Let's say I go to the doctor. And I go in and I'm like, hey, doc, something ain't right. Uh, I've got chest pain and my left arm is really messed up. Immediately, what would you say? You're having a heart attack. Doc, look good. oh, thank you so much for telling me. Can you take glasses off? Yeah. He shines a little light in my eyes. He goes, hey, man, you got a cataract. Okay, Doc. I'm having chest pain, and my left arm has a mind of its own all of a sudden. Like, yeah, 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 I hear you, but, but you got a cataract. Like, we need to maybe make an appointment for you to get that looked at. Call the optimize. Doc, listen to me. Chest pain. Left arm. WebMD said I needed to come see you. Cataract. T- t- this is not my primary problem. This, this is my problem. If that happened to me, I would be thinking, number one, have they charged my copay yet? Secondly, (laughs) I need to go see somebody else because what's, what's wrong? He's not dealing with my fundamental issue. He's not dealing with the deepest problem that I have. Cataract, I can deal with that long after all of this other stuff is taken care of, right? Right? In the same way, listen to me, God is committed to dealing with your fundamental, with your deepest issue. And the deepest issue is you you are uh, uh, um, on the opposite side of the spiritual spectrum from where God wants you to be. You are a sinner. The reason he rescues us from wrath is because we're sinners and he's rescuing us from sin. Sin has come into the world because of wrath and then God then has committed himself to deal with that deepest issue that you and I have. All of the other stuff, man, he'll go to work on, believe me. He can handle all of that stuff. But first, he's going to deal with the heart-level issue. And that is, we are opposite God on this spiritual spectrum. We are opposed to him. We're on the other side of things. He rescues us, yes, from wrath, but he rescues us also from our sin. And people say, well, again, Easter, pal. Throw some bunnies at us or something. I'm not a sinner. And so let's do a little test, okay? Um, let's, let's, there, there's ten big commandments in the Old Testament. Ten, anybody heard this, ten commandments before? Okay, good. Uh, let, let's just try to name a few. I'll start, okay? Uh, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. That was a big one. Somebody name another one. Somebody in this, what? Tell me, Karen. Okay, obey your mom and dad. It's good, because your mom and dad are sitting right there you can hand him five bucks later. Okay, that's good. Honor mom and dad. That's good. Somebody else? Somebody from this section right here, right down. Right Go ahead. Don't lie. Okay, that's another good one. Somebody else? We'll, we'll skip the adultery part just for the, all the hubbub it may cost. Somebody else? Don't steal. Remember the Sabbath. Don't murder, right? Okay, so let's just run through a few of these right here. Run through a few of these right here. Um, Again, we'll skip over a couple of the ones, but let, let's talk about honoring mom and dad. Anybody? It, you, you did that your entire life, right? You made it through 14 without a sassy word. Or, no? no. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Oh, this should be fairly easy. Don't, don't murder. How about that? Okay, yeah, we're getting there. Okay, good, 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 good. How about this one? Don't lie. Anybody ever not lied? Anybody ever not lied? See right now, you're lying. So we know. <laughs> the reason I bring those up is this. Um, we say, "Oh no, 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 no! I'm not really, I'm not really a sinner." But here you are. You dishonored mom and dad. You've lied. You've coveted. Some of you have done worse. Well, I mean, but that's only one little part. That's right. That's right. That is one little part. And here's the thing. Here's what the Bible says. If you break even one little part of the law, you are known as what is a lawbreaker. So you might as well have broken all of the law. Guilty before God, right? This is, this is how it goes. You are, um, you are guilty before God. You are indeed a sinner. Well, okay, okay, okay. So maybe I've broken some laws here, but let's just, but, but I'm, not, I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Uh, it was about four or five years ago on um, Valentine's Day. I specifically remember Valentine's Day because of the news I got to break to my wife. There was a there's an intersection, and there's this red octagonal shaped sign had four letters on it. And I come up to the intersection, and on the other side is a person in a vehicle with red and blue lights. You know, you see where this is going? And I apparently didn't come to a complete stop. And so red and blue lights, a nice officer, one of League City's finest, walked up to me and said, sir, blah, 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 and the license, blah, do you know uh, why I stopped you? Honestly, officer, I, I, I don't. Well, you, you, you did not come to a complete stop at the stop sign. It, true statement. I, I really thought I did. But it didn't matter at that point. It didn't matter what I thought I had did. Officer, I'm a good person. It didn't matter how I felt about stop signs. Well, I think they should be yellow because, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I thought about the officer or what he felt about stop signs or what he felt about working traffic that day. All that happened in that moment was I broke the law and I was Guilty. That's the thing. Right here. Guilty. But I'm a good person. Guilty. <clears throat> the, the, people say, remember the scales of justice? See, I'm just going to balance out my life so that I make sure and do more good than bad. Tip the scales in my favor. The issue here is that the scales have been tipped so skewed because the, the offense that you have is against God, not against League City. And so do you, this, this offense is an infinite offense, so anything that you do finite is still not going to tip the scales, and even if you could just pile on and pile on and pile on, it would never move it back to even. It certainly wouldn't tip it in your favor. That's not how this thing works. You has to, somebody has to come in and rescue you from your sin because you can't do it yourself. And good news, Jesus is in the business of wholeness, right? I mean, he changes people's lives all the time. He takes uh, uh, sick people and makes them well. He takes lame people and he makes them walk. He takes blind people and makes them see. And some of you are sitting here thinking, well, maybe I'm kind of a bad person. Maybe Jesus can make bad good. Listen, Jesus is not in the business of making bad people good. He's in the business. making dead people live. That's Easter. The scripture describes because you are sinful and because you have chosen to sin and because you have broken God's laws, the scripture describes the fracture in that relationship as spiritual death. And because we face spiritual death, then you have to have somebody come in to rescue you from that death and give you life. Good news. Jesus is a rescuer. So the absolute best thing that you could do, um, the best response that you could have to this debt that you owe God for your sin and the death that results from that, the absolute best response you could have is to just agree with God about your sin. Yep, that's about right, God, That's about where I am. Because in that moment, Jesus can become a rescuer for you. And the good news, he, he does for all, all sorts of people. The second part of this is in this phrase in verse 10. He says, To wait for a son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Is that Jesus, yes, has died, but also that he has come back from the dead. Jesus, yes, uh, they crucified him, but yes, uh, he defeated death. Jesus, yes, paid for our sin on the cross, but yes, also um, came back uh, from the dead, defeating death. And there's another passage uh, in the scriptures uh, that explains this a little more fully. If you have your Bible, you can flip over to 1 Corinthians 15. if you're on the YouVersion app, it'll pop up here. It's also up on the screen. And it says this, for I delivered to you as of first importance. That's not second importance. Like this is primary level stuff. I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received. He's not making this up. He received this, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried And then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And I want to kind of take this in a little bit different order, but let's start with this Easter message that Jesus has been raised. He is the resurrected king. He's a rescuer, and he's a resurrected king. That's important because dead people can't rescue anybody. He's alive. And because he's alive he can rescue us. So here's what we're saying about this, is that he rose again. That's fundamental. It is the fundamental claim of Christianity. It's what makes us different from every other religion you can name. You can call them all, and this is the truth, they will be radically different than Christianity, because Christianity says uh, it's not we have to figure out which way to get up the mountain to reach the top. It's that God was at the top of the mountain, saw the mess we were in, and came down to you and to me. And he died And he rose again to bring us life, to bring us something new, to bring us an eternal kind of life that can start right now and last forever, undefeated even by death. It is the fundamental claim of Christianity. It's what makes us different than every other religion. Even just a few verses down, if you have your Bible here in in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, meaning we're lying about God, because we testified about God that he raised Jesus, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. We don't have hope. If Jesus hasn't been raised, we don't have hope, but he has. And the, the, the way that we talk about this is a statement of fact. It's, just, it's, it's a way that the scripture talks about it. It's the way that we talk about it. He rose again. Um, there was a survey, and again, because it's so fundamental to who we are, there was a survey that came out this past week for Easter um, out of the UK, and the survey said this, that 72% of Christians in the UK believe that Jesus rose from the dead. To which I kind of did like this. Because what that means is 28% of Christians believe that he didn't rise from the dead. And my response was something like this. Yeah, well, there's 14% of atheists who believe in God. Because to be... In, For those of you who are just waking up, to be an atheist means you don't believe in God. To be a Christian means you do believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's what it means. It's fundamental to who we are. He rose again. And so this is a a, a fundamental statement of who we are, but it's also a little bit unexpected. I mean, it's an unexpected thing. Um, It's an unexpected claim. We typically don't talk about people rising again from the dead, but just because it's unexpected does not uh, mean that it's not true. And I'll give you just a couple of examples here. You've been in conversations. I've been in conversations where uh, you're sitting talking to somebody maybe that you've known for a while, and all of a sudden they blurt out something that you didn't know about them. You're like, hey, I've known you for X number of years, and I'm just now finding this out about you. What? From our own church family, you would not expect that I would say, there's a lady in the room right now whose name I will not say to protect the innocent, who has been shot by a 45. And that has not only survived, but still carries the bullet with her. So much so that her line is: yeah, everywhere I go, I carry a 45. Isn't that great? I don't want to be shot by a 45, but if I was, I would want to use that lie. That's what I'm saying. Unexpected claim. You would look at that person and be like, what? But it's true. In the same way, that's kind of same vein. We say, hey, Jesus has come back from the dead just like he said he was. It was according to the scriptures. It's just like it was prophesied. Hey, listen, get on board with this. This is a fact. You're like, wow. Unexpected claim. But it's true. And, and if you're struggling with that fact, you're struggling like, ooh, I, for me, I'll just tell you for me, the best positive, uh, possible evidence of it being true is this the, the life change and transformation of those who were his first followers. I mean, those people were all over the map, just crazy wild, doing un- unbelievable stuff, and yet every one of them, every one of that little small band of followers, they just first been, every one of them died a martyr's death. Peter, crucified upside down. John dipped in boiling oil, and then they couldn't kill him, so they sent him off to Patmos uh, in exile, and on and on and on. We could go through all of this. James was beheaded. I mean, we could go through all of this stuff. Here's the deal. Here's why that's so important. Nobody dies for what they know to be a lie. And yet they willingly went to martyrdom because they believed it to be true. That's the most convincing. That's the most compelling thing that, that he rose again. And so he's a, he's a resurrected king. He, he's resurrected. He, he, backing up here to the uh, first part of, uh, excuse me, the last part of verse 3. Uh, it says this. He, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. We received what was of first importance and that he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So he rose again. Um, he died for our sins. Well, why did he die? Well, it wasn't to be an example. It wasn't to be a political revolutionary and somehow buy Christians' way into the political uh, uh, morass or, or in, uh, make sure that they have a seat at the table. Uh, it wasn't because he was a victim of some oppressive power. Listen, he died as a substitute. Nobody took the life of Jesus away. He willingly laid it down. That's why he says. In Mark, Jesus in his own words says this in Mark 10 45 I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life. Don't miss that. I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. Jesus comes and dies in our place. God the Son bears our sin in order to pay our debt. There's an old story uh, about a, a Um, a chief of a tribe um, in in the islands in the Pacific. uh, And he, as the chief, um, was sitting in judgment of of stuff that had gone on in the town, the little village there. And uh, a a guy came who had been um, caught stealing for the third time. And the the, uh, punishment for stealing the third time uh, was 12 lashes. And uh, this guy was Older and frail, the chief was pretty sure he wasn't going to make it. So they strap the guy up to the pole. Uh, the person, a uh, punisher who comes, ready to give him uh, the 12 lashes for being caught stealing, being guilty of stealing him the third time. And the chief says, just a moment. Takes off his tribal wear, goes down to shirtless, and then wraps himself around the man. Says, okay, go ahead. And he takes those 12 lashes for that man. Folks, what the Bible says is that it wasn't 12 lashes, but three nails. One in each hand of Jesus, and one through the feet, so that he could stay on the cross and bear our sins. He is the one who wrapped himself around us. He is the one who took our place. He, we are the ones who deserve to die, but he's the one who bore our punishment. That's why it says he died for our sins. What, but I don't feel very worthy of that. Guess what? You're not. Well, I'm not even sure I can believe that. Here's the thing though. Because God so freely loved you, that can, because the, the nature of His love is free, it's not compelled by you or me. Um, because the nature of His love is free. When it comes to somebody unworthy, somebody who's unlovely, the nature of that love actually creates worth in that person. I don't feel worthy. Well, He loves you. And that makes you worthy. And both of these happened according to the scriptures. There really was no plan B. Now, I, I don't want to miss this middle part because this is where some of us live right now. One more time. For I delivered of you as of first importance, that what I also received. like That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. We've talked about Friday dying. We've talked about rising Sunday. That he was buried. You see that? That he was buried. Uh, n- nobody that I know celebrates Easter Saturday. Why? Because it's dark and lonely, and full of doubt. Uh, my wife is reading a book by Brene Brown, local lady, world famous now, um, in the book she tells this story about uh, how she went out to Pixar uh got to spend some time with one of their leadership uh, groups and she said hey tell me about the hardest uh the hardest time you know what like what's the hardest thing about telling these stories you know Toy Story and all of these others tell me what's the hardest thing oh and everybody unanimously goes act 2 act 2 yeah cuz Act one, you get a little bit of, uh, you know, backstory and character introduction, that kind of thing. Act three is this awesome moment of, of, you know, revelation and victory and all this kind of stuff. It's act two. Act two is the, the big trouble spot right there, um, because in act two, the, the character had, the protagonist has to come to the reality that there's no comfortable way out of this. Like, I've got to take this very difficult road in order to get to where I need to go, and we have to show in some compelling way that this middle part... Um, where the, the character develops and, and grows and sees these choices and, and, and acts courageously and so forth and so on. And she said, hey, well, you know, in my line of work, I do these seminars and it's always day two. Day one is very exciting uh, because everybody's there. Uh, day three is always very exciting because they see the results. But day two, day two is terrible. So we've got day two and act two and Easter Saturday. Because on Easter Saturday, Easter Friday, Good Friday, all of his disciples, they scattered. All of the disciples of Jesus, they run, betray Jesus and run. And where are they Saturday? Hiding. In darkness. In doubt. In shame. In suffering. In hardship. In trouble. And yet, here we are. Um, in, in what she says about Act 2, what she says about Day 2 is two things. Number one, it's both terrible and necessary you got to go through it in order to get to the victory. There's no easy way out. It is part of the process, and it readies us for redemption. And some of you are living in that moment right now where you're like, this feels like Easter Saturday, not Easter Sunday to me. This feels like darkness. This feels like doubt. This feels like struggle. This feels like hardship. This feels like all of this. And some of the questions may express themselves this way. Um, God, are you who you say you are? And what is the answer to that? Yes. What we're really asking some of the times, especially if we're struggling with Easter Saturday, what, but with this whole idea of Jesus being buried, what we're really asking is not, God, are you are who you say you are? It's, God, are you who I think you are? And the answer is, not necessarily. Okay, how about this one? Uh, God, um, will you always do what you say you are going to do? What's the answer to that? Yes. Sometimes the question we're actually asking is God, are you going to act like I expect you to act? And what's the answer to that? No. Easter Saturday is important. This day of darkness and doubt, it's important. Why? Because it gives us room to get out of our shock. It gives us room to identify um, our grief, to name our insecurities, to develop character in ourselves, to make room for hope, and to keep trusting God no matter what the circumstances are. And some of you are at that exact place right now. And here's what I want to say to you. He proved his love for you on Friday and he's bringing victory on Sunday. If you're living in Saturday right now, don't turn away. Some people think that the darkness and the doubt and the shame uh, and the suffering um, of Easter Saturday are signs of God's abandonment of us. But what you need to hear is that those things are actually signs of God's willingness to enter into suffering with us. Jesus comes to us and he says, I have defeated your enemies Friday, Sunday, and Saturday, says, and I'm also willing to enter in to your darkness and doubt and problem and trouble and struggle and toil, frustration, shame. I'm willing to enter into all of those things. So our response then, our best response is to simply do this, to believe what Jesus has done for us, to believe what he's done. You're here and you're like, man, I'm out of sync with God. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Your best response is just to say that to God. God, I'm out of sync with you. Just agree with what he's already said is true. If your response is, uh, yeah, okay, I get that, but I'm out of sync, Start with agreement. Saying, yes God, I agree with you about where I am. Because when you're doing that, uh, that's, that's a good step. That's a good honest step to making, uh, uh, to making uh, yourself right with God. To, to making, remedying things between you and God. Just agree with God about your sin. Um, and, and then you get the opportunity to believe what he has done for you. And then the most natural response is just to commit your life to him. Say, okay God, here I am. Some of you say I'm out of sync. Some of you say it's not out of sync, man. It's like full unplugged, like poof, just, it's, I don't even know why I'm here. The best thing you could say to God, God, it feels like I'm unplugged. Agree with God about where you are. And then turn to him and believe what Jesus has done for you. And the most natural response is then a commitment of your life to him to say, all right, here I am. This is what I'm going to do. Some of you are here and you're like, I've turned my back on God and buddy, you're up there talking, you don't know near the stuff that I drug in the room with me. Hey, here's the deal, you're right, I don't. In my most honest moments, I'm glad about that. But I do know that everybody walked in here with baggage, whether you packed it yourself or whether somebody else packed it for you, you're carrying your load. Best thing you could do, agree with God about where you are believe what Jesus has done for you, and then commit your life to him. But i turned my back on him. A long time ago, da 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 this is what happened. I turned my back on God. Here's a great news. Easter Sunday is about this incredible truth. You may have turned your back on God. He did not turn his back on you. So I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I'm going to invite you to respond in one of two ways. If you're a follower of Jesus in here, when we stand and we sing, I invite you to simply rejoice with all of your heart because these things are true. And if you're a follower in here and maybe there's something between you and God right now, it's good to go ahead and agree about where, what that is, to believe that Jesus has died for that and has given life to you, uh, and then to commit your life in some fresh way to him. When you stand and sing, you'll stand and re- sing a renewed person. If, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. The best thing that you could do is to agree with God about where you are, believe what Jesus has done, and commit. Some of you may still have questions about that. Take that tear-off portion of your bulletin, take that card, send an email, raise your hand, jump up and down. I don't care. (laughs) Just let us know what God is doing in your heart, and we will try to help you understand and process everything that's going on, and remind you of all of these things that we've talked about, and speak all of the truth that we can to you about this. Listen to me. Today can be the day that you enter into a relationship with him. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll have some moments to respond, okay?